This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey there, you're listening to More Than Potential, the podcast. On this show, we talk about mental health, well-being, and self-improvement from a Gen Z perspective. I'm your host, Faith. So what's the topic for today? Well, (laughs) I'm going to try and explain this the best way possible. The topic is our relationship to ourselves. I just happened to be watching this YouTube video. Um, It featured psychoanalyst Esther Perel. And Esther Perel is a psychoanalyst and a relationship expert. And so she was just talking about, you know, how she uh, sees relationships. And the interview that I watched spanned quite a few different subjects. It was such a great video. Like I learned a lot. But some of the things that she talked about reminded me of the book Attached by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. I I don't know if you've ever read Attached, but this book talks about adult relationships and attachments that we form. And the premise of the book is essentially that adults have some sort of attachment styles that are created based on the parenting of their caregivers. So how they related to their caregivers when they were young kind of relates to the attachment style they have as adults. A key part of this book though that I thought was crucial and it really opened my eyes was that they debunked this idea of basically self-love. Um, And granted, they're not saying that self-love doesn't exist. It's a lot more complicated than that. What they were basically saying was that we are told that you have to love yourself before anyone else can love you. I mean, who is going to love you if you don't love yourself? You know what I'm saying? And this sort of self-love journey has to be undertaken alone. And then once you suddenly reach this idea of self-love and you truly quote unquote love yourself then you can be in a relationship with someone and what they were saying is that this is not necessarily the case and in fact the way that we have been going about adult relationships is somewhat flawed um something else they point out is the fact that adults are meant to be interdependent this i this sort of modern idea of independence where we kind of go on our own We see love as two independent people coming together and as they form these connections with each other, they're somehow supposed to remain independent enough to where what the other person does doesn't bother them and they're able to just kind of navigate the situation, operating as independent agents but still connected in some way romantically. And they were saying that this is not really the healthiest way to view love and that adults should be interdependent, not codependent, but interdependent, meaning self-reliant on each other. As the connection deepens, right, you begin to become reliant on each other in certain ways and that that reliance is healthy and necessary. And 
reading this really just cracked my brain open, right? And I had all of these different thoughts about what our relationship with ourselves is actually like. And what we've been told, you know, in modern lexicon about what self-love looks like and what it's actually going to look like, what it actually is. Um, Because when you think about it, there is a lot of focus on self-care and self-love and self-worth. You know, it's a lot of focus on the self, how you view yourself, um, thinking about yourself and how you interact with others. It's very self-centered. And that's not to say that it's a bad thing to really focus on, you know, the self. But I think that it could be, it could get very uh, narcissistic and self-absorbed in a way. Because this is not to say that you're hurting anyone. It's just, it's such an emphasis on yourself that you could become very critical. People like me, um are very critical as is. Like I am someone who is very self-aware. And the problem with being self-aware in a climate like this, where we're constantly focused on self-love and self-care and self-growth and self-improvement is that we hyper-focus on the self and we don't even consider the external. People like me tend to ruminate on the things that are happening within ourselves and we we turn in that energy to ourselves and we don't really turn it outward so what tends to happen is we miss a lot because we're so focused on what's happening within our little bubble within our sphere and a lot of people may not even know what's happening because they can't see our thought life they don't know what's happening internally in our minds they can only see what we're doing um i don't know if this is healthy Having this level of self-criticism and turning the spotlight on yourself, you know, the longer the spotlight is pointed towards the self, the the hotter it gets and it can get a little uncomfortable, can get a little intense. A lot of the beliefs that we're, we're told, like independence is the best way to live, that everyone should be super independent and love is just two independent people coming together Um this belief that you have to be alone and discover yourself before you can even get a partner, right? You're supposed to come into the relationship, this fully actualized independent person, right? That just loves themselves and knows what they want. And then you come into the relationship and you still remain that independent person to the point where what other person does doesn't affect you emotionally. You know, and that, oh, the biggest one is that self-love is the most important love of all. Like, when you really interrogate what it is that we're saying, we're setting up a society of people to be these solo agents where they operate by themselves. And we, I, how do I phrase this? We operate by ourselves and we become self-defining. And that might be something that is unique about this generation that we can't say for anyone else. Like, think about it. In the context of American, and I think just world history, we've always defined ourselves in relation to others. Like, you know, in, and even to this day, in, in most parts of the world, you are defined by your relationship to your family. So people know you because you're so, so-and-so's daughter or you're so-and-so's son. You're descended from so-and-so's clan. Um, you're defined by your function, by what you do. Um, there's been certain cultures where some of their last names hail from their, their job, their function, you know? 
So we were defining ourselves by our role in society, by who we were related to. It was a lot of times based on your social connections, you know, by marriage, by family, by clan, by tribe, you know, sometimes, you know, depending on the, 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 the culture, maybe by your occupation, but it was pretty hard and fast. You knew who you were because it was pretty clear, right? There was not like a whole lot of introspection or thought. And this kind of makes sense because generations ago, people didn't have the luxury to just sit around and think. That was something rich people did. That's why philosophy, which I love, but philosophy became a rich man's sport because rich people were the only people who had time to sit here and entertain these philosophers. Regular people had to work their nine to five. Not to say it was a nine to five back then, but you get the point. They were working to survive. They were working five you know, 25, eight, they didn't have time to sit here and ponder life's mysteries. So they knew who they were, you know, and life was pretty simple. And comparing it to today, where nothing is simple in modern societies, we have all this privilege where nothing is simple. Like we are actually getting the opportunity to define ourselves. So for instance, we have to think about what makes us happy. Think about how crazy that is. We in Contemporary history gets to think we have the luxury and the privilege of having enough money in our society to think about what makes us happy, to think about, you know, what kind of job we like, if the job fulfills us. Can you imagine our great grandparents asking if their job fulfilled them, if they identified with their job, if their job gave them purpose? That was not a thing. And so when I think about, you know, our relationship to the self, I realize that like a lot of things that we, we got to take for granted in previous generations, we can't take for granted anymore. Like in our relationships with, you know, significant others, we have to sit here and think about like, does this person make me happy? When that wasn't even a thing back in the day, it was marry for survival. You married to have kids. You, you, you marry because you're a woman and you don't have any rights. So you get with the dude who can provide for you kind of thing. You, you have the babies and that's the life that you have. And if you stay together and he doesn't beat you, you're doing well. For many people, not getting beat up by your husband was doing well. Staying together, staying married was doing well. You know, making sure the kids had enough to eat and putting clothes on their backs and, you know, having enough was doing well. Now we're sitting here like we want a partner who can independently be their own person, but also be just the right amount of self-reliant to not make us uncomfortable and not be too clingy, right? We want to be self-determining individuals who self-define and, you know, we create our own life but we also want someone to be with us, but not with us too much, just enough, right? Just enough to not make us uncomfortable and demand too much from us. And we sit here and ask, you know, what they can give us, if they can provide enough, if they can make us happy, if they can have a, have enough good sex, if they can stimulate us intellectually and, you know, talk to us about our emotional life, emotional, you know, feelings and whatnot, And of course, have kids with them and be good parents. You know, we want everything. And I think that like, we're demanding a lot out of ourselves. We're demanding a lot out of each other. And I don't think 
human relationships used to be this complicated. I honestly don't. So when I think about our relationship to the self, I have to wonder if all of this focus on self-care and self-love is really like, is it really helpful? Like, is it helpful for us to feel like we define ourselves independently of everybody else and that that is the way we should live our lives? Is true love really self-love? Loving yourself more than others? Something about that doesn't seem quite right. That is not to say that self-love is not important. You must love yourself. You must have respect for yourself. I think self-love is about respect. Respecting yourself, respecting your autonomy, respecting your body, keeping, um, I would say self-love is also about making sure that we're keeping an environment emotionally and physically that, you know, facilitates growth. That is our personal responsibility, right? We cannot put that off, put that responsibility off on anyone else. That I agree with. But I, I'm starting to wonder if we have really gone a little far left in terms of thinking that everything is about the self. When before this point, we were based in communities. We were communal people. We weren't just living these isolated lives. And when I think about like, if people are truly happy, I'm starting to see all these statistics about how people are having less sex, that um, young people are having less relationships. The majority of us are lonely and single. The majority of us want and seek and desire human connections, but we don't feel like we can connect with people of the same sex or the same you know, or the different sex, depending on your sexuality, right? Like we're not feeling connected to others as much as we used to. And I'm not sure if that's a response to this changing environment of focusing on the self or is it, you know, the reverse? Like it's a chicken or the egg argument. Are we focusing on the self so much that we've done it to the point where we, you know, justify people not interacting with each other? Or has, you know, other circumstances created, you know, a lot of distancing, social distancing. And I don't mean in the pandemic sense. I mean, we've literally been distanced from other people and we're not connecting as much as we used to. And in order to cope, we've come up with this idea of self-love and self-growth and self-actualization. You know what I mean? I wonder about this. And I think that we society, if we're not careful, can borderline becomes self-worship. We've turned the the focus on the self and taking care of the self and loving yourself into self-worship because everything becomes part of the self, adoration of the self, hyper-focus and hyper-critical of the self. But we forget about our connections to others. You know, I think our connection to the, the natural world outside of us is what grounds us, what keeps us firmly planted in reality. And I think we can lose touch of what's important when we're constantly internally criticizing ourselves and we're constantly nitpicking and trying to grow and trying to improve. And, you know, we end up becoming, we end up on this hamster wheel of improvement, never realizing that at some point, you know, we're maxed out how much we can improve by ourselves, but there's infinite potential in connecting and learning and growing with other people because people will continue to surprise you, honestly and truly. People will always surprise you. 
And I think that the more we foster organic and healthy relationships with others, we can begin to experience the true growth that we need. We begin to put these healthy um, techniques that we learn in therapy and whatever into practice. So yeah, self-love and self-growth is very important. And I think that the techniques that we get through therapy and through introspection can inform us on how we move forward. But we need to take those techniques and those practices to make sure we're implementing them in our connections with others because that's what matters. We are social creatures. We are built for connection. And I think that in order to prevent self-care and you know this whole movement and to keep it from becoming self-worship and self-absorption, we need to make sure that we're channeling this energy outward. We're not just channeling it inward, but we're channeling it outward so that we're helping others outside of ourselves, that we're caring for others outside of ourselves. And we see the value in doing so, you know, and we're not seeing as something we're not seeing it as a loss, but we're seeing it as a win for society and a win for ourselves individually. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you do you think that, you know, self-care is still king that we should be prioritizing the self over others or do you agree with me and um, the assertions by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller and perhaps that we are possibly focusing too much on ourselves it's weird I'm such a self-critical person I've become so I've become critical of being self-critical but I think it's important to to assess you know the self-help industry and how we've let, you know, things potentially get off course. But I want to know your thoughts. Feel free to comment down below or be sure to follow More Than Potential on Instagram at It's More Than Potential and leave me um some comments there. Hashtag More Than Potential and I'll be sure to see it.